What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 10 of Rookie Mistakes. Can't believe we made it to 10. I finally stopped watching YouTube videos, so I cannot record this episode. It is a Monday, almost midnight, and I'm flying to Bangkok tomorrow. I have to leave, I think, in probably seven hours to be safe, so that's bittersweet. I really enjoyed my time in Seoul. I'll definitely make a podcast about my overall experience here at a different time, but also excited to go to Bangkok. Kind of nervous. Bangkok, I feel like, is the most, I don't know how to put it, I feel like I need to be most cautious, I guess is the best way of putting it, out of all the places I've been so far, just because of, you know, food issues with getting food poisoning or... I don't know, getting hit by a motorcycle maybe? (laughs) Who knows? Apparently they drive everywhere on motorcycles in Bangkok, so that should be pretty intense. We shall see. But I was watching One Direction on YouTube the past, I think, two hours. I had no idea that One Direction was born out of the show America's Got Talent UK, so that was a big surprise to me. And I kind of just went over their whole little career. It was really interesting to see kind of tying this into just the overall theme of this podcast. It was very interesting to see where they all started, which was, I think, eight years ago now. So they were all around the age of 16, I believe. I don't know if they're all the same age, but a lot of them were 16 when they auditioned for the show. And it's just funny that they they all look kind of goofy, nerdy. They're not necessarily dress the best they have their kind of stupid haircuts and none of them really blew the judges out of the water in their initial auditions there's definitely people that have auditioned in the past that have had way better voices and just had better stage presence so it was really fun to kind of see where they started because they obviously became the biggest freaking thing at one point in the music scene I also did I also didn't remember that they were famous in 2011 that's kind of when they took off so it's crazy to think that it's been that long since they had their fame and now they're all solo artists which i had no idea i knew that niall horan was a solo artist i knew harry styles was a solo artist had no idea that all five of them are solo artists and a lot of the songs that i really like actually are by some of the freaking guys which is really funny to me um like one of the guys uh, Malik is his name Malik Zane or Zane Malik I think it's Malik Zane yeah Malik Zane he has a ton of songs that I actually like and I've listened to in the past and I had absolutely no idea it was the dude from One Direction his audition was especially interesting on America's Got Talent because in one of the episodes it shows them learning choreography for dancing and he absolutely struggled so hard and he didn't even show up when they were doing the choreography because he just couldn't get it so they had to go find him and talk to him and all stuff like that it was really funny because once again it just shows you don't know someone's journey and you just see the final product but people come a long way So there's that guy. And then another guy I had no idea was an artist is Liam Payne. I really like a lot of his songs also, but no idea that that was him, the guy from One Direction. So there's him. And then Niall Horan, I like a lot of his songs. I was 
trying to find out which one's the most popular now as a solo artist, kind of just seeing to where they all ended up because originally I didn't think that they'd all be having success as solo artists generally uh, for a boy pop band or just a group in general. They usually, usually there's one that's the really successful one and the one that you know that's going to be successful it's very rare that it would be all of them but they've all had really good success which is cool to see i think i went over the uh i went over the spotify the spotify numbers the uh, amount of streams they have for each one of their songs and i've come away with niall horan being the most popular i don't think that's actually true i think people would say zane's the most popular but in my opinion, Niall is the most popular just going off of the Spotify numbers because none of his songs are collabs with any other artists. So someone like Zayn, he's got a lot of collabs with other artists. So I don't necessarily think you should really take as much weight with his numbers he has because, for example, the Fifty Shades of Freed, Freed, Fifty Shades Freed, that song, For You, is with, I think, Rita Ora. Is it with Rita Ora? I don't know. I think it's with Rita Ora. So that's one song, right? And then his most popular song, Strip That Down, is with Quavo. So I would have to say Niall Horan is the most popular. But off on that random tangent, sorry for that. I just thought it was really interesting. But as far as my week goes, I really tried to add a lot of sites to the week because I... Wanted to get as much in as I could, obviously, because I was leaving. And I went to the border with North Korea. It's funny how it's kind of the biggest tourist attraction in Seoul, it seems. <laughs> really fascinating that people just go to a potential war zone to check it out and see what it's like. It wasn't very fun to be honest I didn't really enjoy the experience just because it wasn't very much to see I really didn't feel like it was worth it but it was just one of those things where you kind of do it to say that you did it and I feel like there's a lot of that when you're traveling especially for me there's the places you go where you think yes that was worth it I'm glad I spent the money that was a cool experience and then there's the other ones where it's like well, I'm kind of just doing this because I want to be able to say I did it because I don't want to be that guy that, you know, didn't do something. Then everyone judges me like, why wouldn't you do that? That's the most popular thing in a country, blah, blah, blah. So went to the border. I'd say the cool, I'd say the coolest thing that I did was going down one of the tunnels. It's called the third infiltration tunnel. And for those that don't know, basically since the end of the Korean War. South Korea has been discovering these tunnels that North Korea dug from North Korea to Seoul. I think the last one was discovered in the 1990s, late 1990s, which is really crazy to think about because the one that was discovered before that was in the 70s. So it took them 20 years to discover the fifth tunnel. And they think that there's actually more tunnels out there. They just haven't found them yet. So that's that's kind of scary to think about when you think of, when you really think about it because it's almost like they could have invaded at any time if they really wanted to and they wouldn't have known about it. So we got to go down one of those tunnels. It kind of sucked because 
most of it was downhill and it was very wet. I kind of had to run because momentum's taking you down so quickly that you kind of have to do a like a almost like a light jog, I guess you would say. And because it's also slippery, you don't really get any traction with your shoes. So you're kind of screwed unless you're running. And I felt like I was going to slip and fall the entire time. Luckily, there were railings, but that didn't really seem to help. I was really struggling personally. I, I was kind of looking around to see if everyone else was struggling. And it didn't really seem that they were. It kind of just looked like it was me. I was. I looked like I was going the fastest down. And my ankles really started to hurt. It was kind of a little bit of a workout. But once you get to the bottom of that, then you go through the rest of the tunnel off to the left and it's very low. So you're kind of bent over the entire time when you're walking so you don't bang your head. It's a nice little lower back workout for you. And you get to the end, it's a big silver metal door and there's a little opening so you can see through it and you kind of look through the opening and there's a bunch of empty space where the, you know, the tunnel continues on. And then there's another big metal door on the other side, and I don't know if the other side's supposed to be North Korea or if it's just a continuation of South Korea, and you just they just decided to stop it there. But I was kind of like hoping, oh, maybe there's a maybe there's going to be like Korea, North Korean soldiers on the other side, just kind of posted out there or something like that. So I was really trying to get a look and see if there was, but there wasn't. So that was kind of a bummer. But I'd say yeah, that was the best thing about the tour. There's actually two separate tours that you can do. There's one called the DMZ tour. And then there's another tour. I don't remember the name. So you're going to have to look that up if you're interested in doing it. But it starts with a J. And the difference between these two tours is that with the one that starts with the J, I think it's the JSA actually, the JSA tour. And so that tour, you actually go deeper in to the border between North Korea and South Korea and you can actually step into North Korea. There's a building that you visit and there's a door and when you enter through that door, you're basically stepping into Korea like that becomes North you're basically stepping into North Korea that becomes North Korea. So that's a fun little experience that you can have if you decide to do that tour. They also have a combined tour for both of them. I wanted to do, to do the combined tour. I just thought, hey, what the heck I might as well do this because I'm here. And it actually was, I don't know if it was sold out or if they just didn't have any tours until a later time, but they didn't have a tour date that I could have went on before my flight to Bangkok. So that was kind of a bummer, but I guess I'll have to come back to do it another time. And then the only other two things that I did as far as the week goes, I went to this other palace. Let me see what it's called because I don't remember. This is really bad of me that I have absolutely no idea of the things that I did, but what are you gonna do? It's Cheng, I wanna say Cheng Dyuk Gong, yeah. Cheng Dyuk Gong Palace. That was one of those experience also, it was kind of not worth it in my opinion. Just once again, oh, I did it, hey. Yeah, it was fun, but went on a, a tour there of the secret gardens they were called. The tour kind of sucked because, don't get me wrong, the girl was a sweetheart and she was informative and very nice, but it was interesting because she kept giving us these little breaks, which I guess maybe some people enjoyed, but I personally have never experienced that on a tour anywhere before, so it was a weird thing for me, but she gave us breaks with every stop that we made along the tour, 
it was almost like she gave some it's almost like you think she gave some profound amazing very animated passionate speech about each place that we're at and she kind of needed a break or something but no it was very matter of fact and short and then we'd have these little five to ten minute breaks between each stop so that added a lot of time to the tour maybe they just do that to say that the tour is a lot longer than it actually is that honestly probably is why now that I think about it but that was just a weird thing so there was that I got through that tour listened to a bunch of podcasts which really I don't know if that's disrespectful or not (laughs) to have earphones in. There actually are a lot of tours that I go on where I know that I don't really care about what the person's saying. I don't even know if it's necessarily tours always. It's also just places I go and I'll always be listening to podcasts to kind of get me through it as I'm looking at all the different things that there are. So I did that and one of the podcasts I listened to was interesting because it was about your microbiome and for anyone that doesn't know what that is it's basically the environment in your stomach that has all the bacteria and it's one of the most important things actually for your overall health it's very important to have a good ratio of healthy bacteria and a lot of the problems that scientists are finding are stemming from your gut microbiome. So people with unhealthy gut microbiomes, generally what they find is a lot of the things that people have, whether it's diseases or just issues with digestion, even I think depression's been linked to it. A lot of these things are related to your gut microbiome. So this podcast was about that. And the guy was just talking about how he, the guy being interviewed, he was a I think he was a surgeon at one time and then he has his books, but he was talking about basically how we need to be eating more like our ancestors thousands of years ago, where is it even thousand? Yeah, it's, I guess it's thousands of years ago where our diets these days, a lot of the foods that we eat are really bad for us and they cause problems with our gut microbiomes and they actually lead to leaky gut which is when a hole in your stomach develops because it's i think it's that the foods you eat kind of burn an area right like this hole in your gut microbiome which leads to things leaking out and that's a huge problem for a ton of people you see that a lot with people that are gluten sensitive. And that was one of the things that he talked about was just gluten in general is a really, really bad thing that humans shouldn't really be eating because we're not designed to be eating that. And then he just gave a lot of different foods that also cause issues. So a lot of people don't actually know this, but there are a lot of plants that are not necessarily the most healthy thing for you to be eating and not because they're not healthy, but because they are plants that have these things called anti-nutrients. And this is another interesting for people that don't know. A lot of plants have defense mechanisms because they don't want to be eaten. I think people forget that plants are actually alive. And so they have these defense mechanisms that allow them to survive whether that's from being eaten by animals or from human consumption. So that was fascinating. Rice is a good example, actually. If you look at brown rice, it's actually it's deemed healthier, 
by a lot of people, but white rice is better for you because it it strips away that, I don't know if it's an anti-nutrient in the case of rice, but it strips away the thing that basically mess, that messes with your gut microbiome. So it's better for your stomach to eat white rice instead of brown rice. Nightshade vegetables, he said, were a big issue for people also. And then beans, that was an interesting one. Beans aren't good for you if you eat raw beans, which I don't know why anyone would ever eat raw beans, but raw beans apparently are extremely, extremely bad for your stomach and can cause major issues. Never had raw beans personally, so I don't know what that would be like, but I don't think anyone eats raw beans anyways. I don't imagine that they're cooked in every instance that they're used, but that's not good. Corn is another terrible thing. And then also, which I thought was found surprising, he said meat and there's arguments for and against eating meat. Clearly there's a huge push towards being vegan, the vegetarian movement. I don't even think it's the vegetarian movement anymore. It's more the vegan movement, which is a whole different issue. Don't even need to get into that. Kind of hypocritical with that, that one, to be honest, but he lives a vegan lifestyle and it was fascinating because he was talking about why meat is bad. And the reason why meat is bad is because a lot of the animals that are raised now, especially in the US, we all know about the antibiotics that are used for them, whether it's that it's to keep them healthy or to get them to grow and getting more access to meat per animal. So that is something that we're consuming and then on the flip side they're also feeding them things that they shouldn't be eating which is corn in the most cases and that just goes to basically into your stomach you're eating a corn-fed animal and he gave two really good examples with meat one of them was that the definition of organic for the U.S. actually doesn't really involve (laughs) the things that you think organic means. When I thought organic, I personally always thought, you know, farm raised, lots of space, the animals are fed the things that they're actually supposed to be eating. And the actual definition, if you look it up, I don't remember remember specifically what he said, but what passes as organic based on US standards is actually more modeled after a factory farm still. I don't think it's exactly factory farming, but it's very similar to where the animals don't need to be spread out and they only get a certain amount of time to, I guess you could call it recess. Like they only get a a certain amount of time where they're let out and then otherwise they're in their little cages. And then I also still think they're fed corn and soybeans and things like that. If the corn and soybeans they're being fed is organic, don't quote me on that one specifically, but I think that's what the guy said. So that was very eye-opening. And then the other thing he said was he used an example of a place in the world where they feed their chickens fish. Don't remember specifically. I'm like, I'm literally the worst. I'm (laughs) I'm literally like the worst passer of knowledge ever. But there's this place in the world where they feed chicken fish. And apparently because of that, the chicken actually tastes like fish. And the reason why he was talking about that was he was saying that you think you're eating a chicken, but you're realistically eating whatever that chicken is eating. 
So going back to the corn, why it's so bad is that you're eating a animal that pretty much was raised on corn, which isn't good for you yourself. And obviously a lot of the nutrients and things that come along with corn are going to be found in that animal. So you're also getting some of that, probably not in as much concentration as you would if you just ate corn on your own, but there is something to be said about that. So that really was eye-opening and made me kind of, I think that's the, I think that's the best argument I've ever heard for why you shouldn't eat meat. I mean, obviously animal cruelty is a really good argument too, but in a lot of cases there are instances where animals are being treated fairly and it's just the whole circle of life where animals hunt animals and then we're at the top of the food chain and animals need to die and there are instances where there's overpopulations of animals so that needs to be controlled through hunting so that was a good argument i thought so what did i do of course after hearing all this i went to eat mexican food i had beans i had tortilla chips i had french fries i had rice not white rice but mexican rice i had flour tortillas. So I kind of just said a a big F you, I guess, everything that guy, everything that guy said on that podcast, even though I agreed completely with a lot of it and it was eye-opening. But it makes me wonder, is it really worth living that kind of lifestyle? Imagine living a lifestyle where you're you're not eating anything with sugar really. You're not eating any ice cream. You're not drinking soda. You're not consuming corn. You're not consuming grains, breads, pastas. Imagine you're li- really living a healthy lifestyle and I, w- I would think that you're probably, for most people, you're probably going to live longer, you're going to live healthier lives, you're going to have more energy, you're going to be more focused, but there's something to be said about that, those one minute mouth pleasures that you get from eating something really bad for you. I, I don't think I don't think life is worth living, honestly, if you can't have those things. I just can't imagine a life without them. And maybe the moderation approach is the best way of doing it to where you're still getting it, but you're just not eating it always. Like I think of, oh, I think of pizza right now. And I really, the idea of giving up pizza makes me so sad. It really makes my heart, makes my heart want to break. But I I do think also we're going to get to a point where immortality is going to get closer and closer to becoming a reality. I personally would love to live forever Maybe that's going to change as I get older. I would at least love to live to 100, but I I have I think there's a good shot. I think there's a good shot by the time I'm a really old person that we're going to have a lot of the things figured out, so I'm going to get to live a lot longer. I think for anyone, and this is a personal goal of mine, it's to make as much money as possible because then you're going to be able to actually afford the cool things that are going to be avail- available to us in the future because it's going to be one of those things where initially it's going to be really expensive and as it becomes a more and uh, more improved process and costs are going to go down, then it'll become more widely available to the public because it'll be affordable, but that's not going to be the case always. So it is important, I think, to have a lot of money to be able to do these things. It's You're just going to be able to treat your body like crap, honestly. It's going to be really funny. I guess those people that kind of don't take care of themselves and just live life on the edge and do whatever, eat what they want, drink what they want, smoke what they want, all those things, they're going to just be able to... (laughs) kind of get a reset button on their bodies with what's going to be available in the future. So I don't know, I guess it's, I guess it's, I guess it's a dice roll though. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong and maybe all that stuff is really far off into the future. 
I think Altered Carbon, uh, if anyone's ever watched that show, it's on Netflix. Really amazing show. Definitely watch it. Check it out if you have the time. It's a it's probably one of my favorite shows of the last year. And basic premises, it's the future where the rich, the billionaires of the world, they all have clones of themselves. And the premise of the show is instead of living forever in the same body, you basically upload your consciousness into different clones of yourself. So you never actually die. And then there's like backup systems and all of that. And I think the only way to act to truly die is if someone gets your, your chip or your actual, it gets into your system and kind of, uh, destroys that part of you. I think it has to do with the head. Like as long as the head's intact, you can upload your consciousness into a different body if you die. So that I think there's maybe some, I don't know. I don't know if that's even possible. That seems more unrealistic maybe than even living forever forever, or at least living for 200 years because of what we're going to be able to do with cell regrowth and just being able to cure diseases and things like that. So yeah, really interesting stuff as far as what I wanted to get into today really quickly I've kind of been struggling the past week with actually being productive. I've stuck to my my morning routine for the most part. The thing I've been struggling with most is just the commenting on Instagram and then the waking up at eight. Everything else, I'm still on a streak, which is really good, but I haven't really done anything in terms of work as far as working on the blog and then even working on Instagram and kind of researching, you know, social media and branding and all that stuff. And I've really been trying to figure out why I'm struggling so much. And I have talked about this in the past already, but it's a question that I have that I haven't found the answer to yet. And I think what I've come up with so far, I talked to one of my good friends, shout out Jake, Shout out to Jake. I don't think he's even going to listen to this podcast, so he's never going to know that I shouted him out. Is that a word, shouted? Did I shouted him out? I shouted him out. I don't know if that's a word or not, but talked to him today, and I came up with some nice realizations because I would say him and I are the total opposites. I called myself today the philosopher, And I just called him the doer because he's one of the most motivated people I've ever met in my life. He's one of those people that just works, works, works. And that's his priority. That's what drives him. That's what gives him happiness. He loves to freaking work and he can't sit still. And watching him do that, especially in college, we lived together our senior year. It was just exhausting to me because I'm the total opposite. I'm more of a... uh, Like I said, I'm more of a think about ideas and analyze stuff. I overanalyze things way too much. And he's the exact opposite. He's just go, go, go. He's an amazing networker. Blows my mind how he's able to keep it all going. So I kind of just talked to him about that. And I was talking about what motivates him. And then I was trying to think about what motivates me. And one of the things he said was just he... Part like a lot of it is ego that he wants to be better than other people. And I think that 
Another thing that he talked about, which I kind of was getting the sense of, I was waiting for him to say it. He talked about how playing baseball in high school, he always had to work the hardest just to be on the team. And other people were more working hard to actually compete for spots. So it was like he had to put in a ton of work and work harder than everyone just so he was able to be on the team still, just so he was good enough to be on the team. For other people, it wasn't the case. So I think there's some ego stuff there where he just has the, that chip on his shoulder to work the hardest and he wants to be the best. I don't know if I'm putting words in his mouth or taking what he said wrong, but that's the impression I got. And there's just a pot, there's just a, there's an attitude there where he thinks he's very capable and he thinks he's the best and he's not really focused on what other people are doing and he's not discouraged by what other people are doing. And he has a very great perspective on, I think, just life instead of focusing on what he doesn't have or what he's not capable of or what other people have. He's focused on, what he does have and what is good and he's able to have a healthy outlook on what he's accomplished I think and then where he's going with his career and that made me really start thinking about me because I'm the complete opposite where I don't really I don't really look at what I have and I think the best word for it overall and something I've actually been exploring the past week because a lot of the common theme that keeps coming up with a lot of successful people is is gratitude and it's just being thankful for the things that you have and practicing gratitude has been something I've actually been doing every day in my journal I've been writing where I just write three things in the morning I'm grateful for and three, three things at night. I've been doing it every day but I feel like I haven't been actually like I feel like I haven't been buying into it I don't feel like it's resonating with me and I don't necessarily think like I feel like I'm just doing it to do it right and I'm trying it's like I'm trying to have this for this thing to have some grand effect on me when it really isn't and today after this conversation with with Jake I actually sat down for 15 minutes and I really thought about what's happened in my life that's been good and what like I've what what I've had and what I'm lucky to have overcome or experiences I've had or or whether it's possessions or whatever friends family and it really put me in a really positive happy place after I was done doing it and gave me like a nice boost of energy which I I hadn't ever felt doing that before and I really do think there's something to this idea of gratitude but getting back to me I just I don't feel like I focus on what I have. It's always been what I don't have. It's always been what I'm lacking as a person or my shortcomings or focusing on what other people have. I think that's just my attitude. And I don't think it's necessarily like a like a bad attitude type thing or a conceited thing. I just don't I don't I don't put any I don't put any weight on what I'm good at or when I achieve something or when something good happens to me. I don't really celebrate it. I don't really think anything of it. It's just kind of like a, it's just kind of an observation like, oh, that was good. You know, I don't really get fired up about anything anymore or really excited about something I accomplished. And then it made me think, well, 
how can you ever really accomplish something if you have a goal if you don't if it that 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 goal doesn't have any any feeling tied to it any happiness or any desire like why why are you going to pursue something if at the end of it when you achieve it if you if you don't feel like you're gonna if it's not gonna make you happy or if it's not gonna make you excited or it's not gonna give you peace of mind or a good sense of self-worth that you were able to go through something and achieve it if you're constantly just going from one thing to the next right if you can't really stop and think about it then why like why would you ever actually pursue it and so i'm thinking maybe that is something that is an issue and why i'm having such a hard time actually sitting down and doing the things that i need to do i think that's one thing i think obviously the fact that things are just hard and you have no direction really if with what you're going with where you're going you're kind of blind and you just have to try things out and see what works or not so i think that's part of it also but that I already knew. And so this idea of gratitude and actually being, I don't know if gratitude is even the right word, but this idea of actually celebrating your successes or really focusing on what you do have and what is good about you and the good qualities you do have. I think, I think that's something I need to get better at. I, I go back to middle school as a, as an example, everyone can relate to. I don't know about everyone else, but me personally, when there's this feeling when you're you're young when you have your like a crush on a girl right and you're starting to like first like girls and you're just starting to like girls in general maybe you're a girl you like guys whatever it may be whoever you like right it's when you start liking them and they start becoming on your radar and i remember the whole does she like me? I like her. I don't know if she likes me, right? There's that whole unknown and there's something very awesome about that because it makes you feel alive. The doubt, the the feelings that it gives you, it's just a great, I think, initial thing that happens. And I remember thinking about like, right, the girl I like or does she like me or does she think I'm cute? Like, I think she's cute, you know, all these different things. And I think about not even the girl I like, but maybe just girls in general, right? It's like you hear from one of them like, oh, I think he's cute, right? And I remember that feeling that it gave me. It made me so happy and like excited and giddy kind of. And it it really gave you like the, it just gave you such a nice feeling, right? Like the person you like or you have a crush on or just a girl in general, like they think you're cute, right? That. It's just a simple example, but it's just, it's some. I remember, I, I distinctly remember that feeling of what that's like. And it's just such a, an amazing thing. And I think that that feeling is something that you get in everything else in life, or you should get at least when it's, whether it's accomplishments or something good happens to you or something gives you, or someone gives you a compliment. I think now about where I'm at and Something like that will you will go along the, that lines to like if someone thinks you're like attractive, it doesn't really it doesn't really do anything for me anymore. I don't really think anything of it. And when someone compliments me, I don't really think anything of it. it like doesn't give me that feeling anymore of that that giddiness or that happiness or that excitement. And it it's kind of sad, honestly, because I don't know if that's just a self worth thing. But if if you don't have those moments, right, then what really is going to motivate you to actually want to really achieve anything in your life? Because if you're one already not thinking that you can achieve it, and then two, 
you don't know where to start. And then three, well, you don't really see any reward to it and you don't really think highly of yourself as it is. I think that's another episode in itself about like self-worth or whatever, but why are you, why are you gonna, why are you gonna, you know, put in the time to achieve something because you're not getting anything out of it. You're not getting that feeling of that, that reward. And so I think that's something I need to work on. I don't know if that starts with gratitude and becoming grateful and really focusing on the things that I do have. That's something I'm going to try going forward. I don't know where I went wrong. I don't know where that started with me. I think maybe one thing I was thinking is with my baseball career in college, I think about the the last time that I kind of felt that way about baseball where I was really excited for the future and I was really excited about my success and I had really worked hard and I had gotten the results that I worked hard for and I was really proud of that. And it brings me back to after my freshman year in college where I didn't start the initial nine games, I believe, and then worked really hard was prepared for the opportunity, was prepared for the moment, got my chance, and never looked back. Started the next 31 games of the season, ended up with the second highest batting average on the team as a freshman. Didn't even get recruited to play baseball in college by any school except for one. Shout out to Occidental. But I go back to that, and I was really proud of what I had accomplished after the season was over, I really felt good about what I had done. And it really showed me what hard work and preparation and being ready for the opportunity, it could, it really showed me what was possible, right? But I've definitely lost that. And that's something I've never thought about until now. I'm 25 at this point. So that was six years ago. So it's basically been six years where I haven't really thought about that and that's a really good example of something that I've actually done and I feel like that's something I should be carrying over to my life now but I'm I don't (laughs) for whatever reason and I think back to that time and I'm not really I just don't think anything of it anymore I feel like there's a lot in my life that I should be proud of and it's not a bragging thing, but it's like things you've overcome, right? And I just think about them and I don't I don't think it doesn't give me any type of confidence or self-worth of like, oh, look what you overcame or look what you achieved. And that's, I mean, that's sad. And I, I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but I just, I think real, I've realized from talking to Jake when, when like how, how, <laughs> how can I be like that and actually succeed? That's something I'm definitely going to have to figure out because there is a there is an arrogance certain arrogance there is a certain amount of ego there's a certain amount of confidence you have to have to be able to think you're good enough for one to do whatever it is you want to do in life right something really worthwhile the thing you actually want to do there has to be all of that there to be able to get through the tough times but to actually think you can do it and fully commit to it i think i'm lacking a lot of that i think i do Like I tell myself I can do it, but I wonder, I really wonder, and I think I talked about this last episode too, but I really wonder if I actually think subconsciously if I can do it or if I really want to do it is, 
another thing I've been one with wondering or with lately. I don't know. I think it's fascinating. Gratitude. Gratitude's a big one. That, like I said, I keep hearing everywhere is to be grateful. So I'm definitely going to work on that more. I think the approach now is going to be instead of writing down what I'm grateful for, I'm just going to add it to my visualization exercise. So what I've been doing is I visualize for 15 minutes basically where I want to end up. And I also do positive affirmation, basically telling yourself like, oh, you can accomplish what you want. You're going to be successful. You can do it. Like, you know, it's basically rewiring your brain to focus more on the positive. And then on the flip side of that, it's when you're giving yourself negative talk, you instantly stop it in your head and then you just let it go. And eventually you train yourself to stop thinking negatively and you think positively, right? I think I'm going to add gratitude as thinking about what I'm grateful for to that instead of writing it down because I think that had a much, much, much better effect on me doing that today instead of writing it down. So we'll see how that goes. At this point, where are we at? It's 12.22. Got to get up. Going to Bangkok. Going to train Muay Thai. I'm really worried that I'm going to be able to, I don't even think I'm going to be able to kick. Honestly, I don't think I'm going to be able to kick because my hips are so inflexible that I can barely lift my leg up to my waist straight out in front of me. So it's going to be a struggle if I do decide to pursue it, but it is the thing that I have been wanting to do most out of everything. When I've traveled at all, started with Thailand. The seed was planted because of wanting to go visit Thailand and do Muay Thai and eat the Thai food and live there. So I better do the Muay Thai. Gotta find a gym. That's gonna be tough. Maybe I'll just hop around for a while. I looked into it a little bit yesterday and it's looking like I'm gonna have to spend $15 a workout. You just show up. You show and go, baby. You just get after it. Private lessons are in the 30 to 40 range. Can't really afford that. That's the sucky thing about not having a job and, you know, actually having a budget is you really don't have the money to be doing things like this, but I really want to do it. So I'm thinking of just doing it three times a week, just doing the little workouts that you show up to, and that'll end up being $180 for the month. So that's just a little investment in my sanity, I guess. I'll also probably get in a lot better shape doing the workouts. That should be fun. Also don't know if I'm going to get injured because had a lot of injuries in baseball, never really got better. And they don't really affect me anymore because I don't work out or run or do any of that stuff or do any activities. So I don't really have to worry about it. So it'll be interesting to see how my body holds up doing these things, running around and kicking and all that. Hopefully don't have any issues after the first day, Really quickly, I guess I should add this too. Totally forgot about it, but I ran a Facebook ad for the first time because I wanted to test it out to see if that would help with getting listeners to the podcast. So I actually promoted last week's episode on Facebook, spent $20. The estimated reach was going to be in the five to 8,000 range, I believe it was. I did a week long ad. It just ended and I believe I got in the 280 impressions 
and no, not 280 impressions. That would be amazing if I got that many. I got 269 people were people reached. All right. So 269 people saw my ad of last week's episode of those 269 people, 42 people engaged with the post. Okay. So 44 people ended up liking it. So I don't know why the engagement is different there. Maybe people liked it that weren't from the, the promotion. And then of those 269 people, only one person actually clicked on the link. Don't know if they listened to the episode or not, because I can't really distinguish that using Facebook slash anchor the app that the podcast is on. So don't know if that person even listened to an episode. I don't know if I've converted that person into a listener. That would be nice if I did because it's like a baby step. It all starts with one. But that's pretty crazy to think about. On the one hand, like I said, the estimated reach was supposed to be in the thousands. It ended up being 270. So I don't know if I should ask for my money back. I don't think that's the case. I think it's just based on what my target market I set for myself. I set men and women ages 18 to 35 who live in the US and then the interests were mostly travel related. So I think I'm gonna play with this more to just test out different strategies. The things I'm initially thinking are, one, maybe the target audience is wrong, right? So I'm gonna be messing with that. Two, maybe the artwork isn't good enough to really get people to want to click on it. So I'm thinking that. And then three, maybe also the description of the episode isn't just something people are interested in. Maybe it doesn't have that like, wow, what is this factor? Maybe it's not written well enough to really entice people to want to listen to the episode. I also promoted an episode that's specifically on Rome. So if it's specifically on one thing, like a travel guide to Rome, then it's really it's really a lot harder to get the correct people to be looking at that post to get the correct reach because one, you're not going to click on it unless you're interested in going to Rome probably. And then at the, and first of all, you'd have to think like, oh, this is actually worth clicking on. This looks like it's informative. So the, there's two barriers right there for myself. And then the third barrier is, well, maybe then you didn't even target the right audience because you you promoted a specific episode about traveling to one place instead of giving it more of a general feel of what the actual podcast is about, which is, you know, the journey of trying to become successful. I think next time I do a promotion, I'm not going to be able to do many of these because once again, not making any money. So the more money I spend, the closer I get to that lifestyle of working again that that office lifestyle or whatever it's going to end up being because I'm going to need to make money while I'm pursuing all of this I have come to terms with that but I think next time I'm going to just do a promotion for the overall podcast I think that would be better and then go from there I'm probably also going to change up the target market to I would imagine maybe 22 to 35 because maybe it has more relevance to people just graduating college because they have no idea. A lot of people have no idea what they want to do with their lives at that point. I know for me, that was definitely the case. And when you're 18 to that 22 range, you're generally in college, right? Or you're applying to college or you're, you're not necessarily thinking what you're going to do with the rest of your life because you're still in that kid mindset. You still have your parents looking after you and for most people and you don't have to really worry about 
making your stamp on the world. So just wanted to get, tell that quick thing because I think that's something, I, like I said, I'm going to start implementing more and that's something I'm going to need to figure out eventually. And I think once I kind of get a formula for that, that will have value for people in the future because promoting is something that you're going to have to do. What I've learned from good old Gary V is that promoting on social media is a very underrated right now because it's so new that a lot of promotions are underpriced, especially especially even working with influencers, like they're very underpriced. The amount of value you can get from doing a promotion on a social media or working with an influence to promote one of your products or just your overall service or I guess you as a personal brand it's a lot it's it's in favor of the of the the person the product right now because you can basically get eyeballs on yourself for pretty cheap whereas imagine if you were trying to do that on like right if you're trying to advertise on TV like that would be so expensive and people don't have the money for that especially when they're starting out so taking advantage of these things now on the internet is i think really important for me and so i wanted to kind of work on that and start to get a sense of how it all works a cool little fun fact is if you were asked what was the company that used google adwords the most when it initially came out like what company paid the most money to take advantage of that what company do you think it was and i'm going to give you five seconds to think of your answer and then say it in your head because i'm not going to be able to actually get the answer from you but it was Amazon. And look at Amazon today. Literally the scariest company in the world, taking over industries left and right, single-handedly, got rid of the freaking bookstore industry, seems to be taking over the supermarket industry now. That one seems to be next on Amazon's list of things to take out. Kimpoli took over the retail space, right? Take, getting rid of retail stores, your... I don't, is Cole still a company? Got rid of that. I think Marshall's is still a company, but not doing too hot. All these companies, Macy's, all of them, just left and right vanishing because of Amazon. So I think that's just a good indicator that, yeah, take advantage of what is offered on the internet, especially when you can get it for a pretty cheap price. Like even though I didn't get the amount of impressions that, I was expecting or the amount of reach I was expecting still to spend $20 to kind of just see it work. Pretty cool. So I'll definitely be talking more about that in the future, but now it is officially the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked the podcast, if you liked this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and I will see everyone next week. I will be in Bangkok at that point, so I'll probably have a lot of interesting things to say. Thanks for listening, guys. Oh, really fast. If you want to check out that podcast to fact check my bro science, it is Impact Theory, and then type in Dr. Stephen Gundry, G-U-N-D-R-Y. And also, forgot to plug my stuff, follow me on Instagram, Conjay Hancock, or... Email me at conjayhancock at gmail.com. Leave a review. Subscribe. I would love that. I will love you all forever. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week.